Let's pray. Lord, open the eyes of our heart that we may see you. May we encounter you. May we continue to grow in grace and in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think it's in Luke's gospel. It's either Luke or Matthew's gospel. Um, when Jesus is talking about forgiveness, you know, that you need to forgive seven times 70. And um, disciples, yeah, increase our faith. And to which Jesus replies, if you had faith of mustard seed, you could move a mountain, right? Uh, I might be merging my Matthew and Luke there, but it, the essence of it is often uh, one of the most misinterpreted passages where this idea of faith being some kind of quantitative thing, if I just had more faith, this would work, okay? But that's not what he's saying there. In other words, if you don't understand forgiveness, then you don't have faith. That's kind of the punchline. That's the punchline of that text, okay? You know, I, I always think it's kind of interesting when people say, oh, don't give me Paul, but give me Jesus. And Jesus is kind of rough. Jesus is pretty tough at times, all right? So uh, thank, we better thank Brother Paul for, uh, for his, his, uh, his message of grace about what the meaning of Christ's life is. You know, I think takes some of the edge off of what Jesus had to say. Not that it's any less true, but we understand that the faith is a gift, right? And, and so we're going to begin the series on faith. Mostly what we're going to talk about is the creed. We'll use the Apostles' Creed. Um, as our um, guide as we go through this. But I want to talk, before I, I talk about faith as a noun, in other words, before I talk about faith as content, I want to talk about faith as a verb, which actually it's what it is, okay? Um, the Greek word pistos okay, um, is really, a, it's a verb. And so it, when we when we say you know, translate the word belief, and some, and often it's translated belief or believe. Um, it really should be translated faithing, okay? But we don't. That's not a good English word, right? So, you know, whoever faithing in me shall be saved, right? And I think because we tend to, when we hear the word belief, we tend to think of something cognitive. But I wanted before we talk about the content of the faith, and again, part of the trouble is. The word faith can have lots of different meanings, right? It can mean the, the, the faith that has been given to us, which means the, the orthodox truth of the faith, the truth of the Christian doctrine. Um, it can even be a shorthand for the creed. But before we have something to believe in, okay, we actually have to actively believe in it, right? Before we have an object, we need a verb. And so that's part of what I want to talk about tonight. Um, Ron Williams, uh, a great scholar who was the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, but he was a scholar before he was uh, the Archbishop, uh, really a wonderful theologian. Uh, his wife is as well. They're both brilliant. But he um, says this, God and the world are not two things to be added together. Neither are they two things that are really one thing. They exist in an asymmetrical relation in which one depends wholly on the other, yet is fully itself made to be and to act according to its own logic and structure. Okay, now that's that's a very precise statement there, and it's really speaking in some levels against this. Um, it's not a, it's not a new idea, but the idea that we're all God or God's everything, right? Okay, 
It's really the Christian God, the Judeo-Christian, and, and for that matter, the Muslim God as well, is not something that's part of creation. Okay? Uh, God is the creator. And all three of uh, the monotheistic religions affirm that God is totally other. Okay, I've said this before, but holy, holy, holy means God is really different, God is really different, God is really different. Okay? And so there's a sense where that um, God and the world, and we're, we're, we're on the world side of this equation, um, they're, not, they're not two things added together. Now, what's interesting, though, there's this asymmetrical relationship. In other words, God is the creator. It's not, it's not an equal relationship. God is the creator. The world and everything that exists is sustained by God. Okay? Yet, and now we move to the human part of this, um, the world and human beings are fully themselves. And they act according to its own, their own logic and structure. So, for instance... God doesn't have to be making gravity work every minute. Okay, right? Okay. God's not, you know, it's not if God turns the other way, suddenly gravity breaks. Okay. Um, that's one of the reasons why we don't have to have this artificial uh, conflict between science and faith. Okay. Um, now, the laws of science, we, we need to always put that in brackets, right? Because as soon as you make a law in science, you find some contrary evidence, right? The difference between quantum, you know, physics and, and, you know, regular physicists. There's this idea that the way things work immensely don't always work the same way in a micro level, okay? So we're learning, the more we learn about our universe, the more we learn, well, you can't quite put everything into boxes, right? Okay? Uh, there's so much we don't know. But having said that, okay, um, we know that gravity wins, okay, for instance. All right, gravity wins. There's certain things we can be sure of. We know that everything that exists is decaying, right? So there are certain laws of, of nature and physics that, that are pretty, uh, pretty sure. And so there's a sense where the cosmos, the universe, works and operates under the laws that God made for it, okay? But nonetheless, it, it, kind, of, it kind of moves on, okay? It keeps going on. Same thing true about human beings, okay? Even though, you know... We are created in the image of God, even though God, where our being is sustained, if you would, by the very nature of God. Nonetheless, we kind of do our own thing here. Okay, now how much freedom we have in doing our own thing, that's an argument that we're not going to have tonight. Okay, that's debatable. But there's a sense, there is a distance between the creator and creation. But if the whole story of the Bible, the whole story of the Christian faith, uh, the Jewish Christian faith, is that God wants to have a relationship. Okay, there's even, <laughs> there's an asymmetrical kind of nature between God and the world, right? But we, but our creator, we find out, wants to be involved with us. Okay. From the beginning, God isn't some sort of, you know, great clockmaker that, you know, winds the clock and then lets it run. God is infinitely interested in his creation and seems to be particularly interested in us, humans. So, how do humans have a relationship with this being that is holy, 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 holy? 
How do you have a relationship with someone you cannot see? Or it's even, and even calling it someone is a mistake. Calling God someone, I've already created a distortion. Okay? So how do humans have a relationship with God? Well, the word that kind of describes that bridge, if you would, is faith. And in particular, we as Christians have faith that Christ is the way in which we have access to the Father. In other words, we believe in the work and person of Christ. It is by, we say say when we do the communion liturgy, it is in, by, through Christ that we have our faith or have our relationship with God. So that's, that's the nature. In other words, there's a sense where we don't have faith in God because we have seen God. We don't have faith in Christ because we've been able to put our hands in the side or touch his fingers. That's part of the reason that old Thomas story in John's Gospel. That Thomas story is as much for us as anything else. What's Jesus say to Thomas? Well, you have believed because you've seen, right? But blessed are those who believe because they who don't see. So our faith, faithing, is based on testimony, okay? Is based on the testimony, which we're going to talk about the testimony. That's the content of faith. Okay, in other words, what convinces us about God on one level is what we believe the church and the Bible say about God. Okay, so that's the content. But I want to get to what does it mean that we have faith in God? What does it mean that we believe in God? All right, the first verse I have there is in some levels the foundational verse of the Protestant movement, but I would say that it certainly is not just important for Protestants, it's important for all Christians. Okay, and remember, we use these kind of words, these, these church words or these theological words, but they, they mean something. So, for instance, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In other words, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. Okay? To the Jew first, but also to the Greek, the Gentile. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith, as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. Okay? Righteous means the one who is made right in the eyes of God. In other words, how do we belong to God? That's really what it's saying. How do we find ourselves being able to be part of the family of God? How are we justified? How do we stand before a holy and righteous God? Well, it is through faith by for faith. Okay, in other words, we believe, we believe in what Jesus did. We believe in the good news of Jesus. We actively faithing that Jesus did what he said he did. Okay? All right. So this is, in some levels, the whole foundation of how we are connected to God, faith. So, what is faith? Well, I see, I put in your handout here uh, both the, the Hebrew, there are multiple words that are translated faith from in the Hebrew scriptures, but one of the most common ones is imunah, and the word beside pistos is the Greek is the Greek root for that we translate belief or faith. Okay, now, humanah is really this idea of steadfastness. Okay, so it's a very, the, the, 
Faith has a very different, not very different, but it is really has a different nuance in, in, in Hebrew. Faith is hanging in there, okay? All right. Faith is hanging in there, okay? What does Job say to God? Though you slay me, yet I will serve you, okay? All right. Sometimes people, preachers will say that, and they'll, go, they'll say it in a very pious way, though I slave you, yet I'll serve I think Job is shaking his fist. You can't get rid of me this easily. Job's an angry book, understandably. Okay? But faith is hanging in there. Okay? God made these promises. We lost the city. We lost the temple. We lost our country. We lost our king. But we're hanging in there. We're going to believe in the promises God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Though I go down to Sheol, yet you will find me. So the, the, the story of the Hebrew faith, the Hebrew Bible, is a story of struggle, right? Okay. There's a lot of things that go wrong. Okay. A lot of things go wrong. People make a lot of mistakes. By the way, <laughs> I've read this. I think this was Rowan Williams I read this. Uh, just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's good. Okay. For instance, sometimes when people pick out stuff from the Old Testament and say, see, the Bible says it's that. But sometimes the Bible says stuff so that we realize, no, we don't want to do that. Okay. Or no, that's not, that's not where we want to go with this. Or no, that's not quite what God's doing. You may think God's doing that, but that's not what's going on there. So just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean that we want to reproduce it. There's a lot of stuff in there that's, that's telling us, no, this, this is not the way you want to go. Okay. And so there's a sense where this idea that, that and it's really powerful. I think the Luke hymns during, that, we, that we read, uh, they weren't in the lectionary this year, but when we read those Luke hymns in Luke 1 and 2, the power of the faith of, of Mary and Zechariah um, uh, are this and Simeon is this holding on? Okay, my eyes have seen the coming of my Lord. Depart now, I can depart now in peace. This idea of God's faithfulness, even though there's nothing, there's no evidence that it's happening around us. That's really the power of really the power of the, of the Hebrew Bible. How they hold on to it, even though things aren't going the way they should, or turning out the way that they hoped they would be. So, in the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek version of, uh, it's a Greek translation of the Hebrew scripture, it's the Bible of the New Testament. It's the Bible that, it's what people are reading, okay? I mean, Jesus may have read an Aramaic translation. He probably could have, I mean, they were doing some Hebrew in the first century. But most first century Jews read the Greek translation of the Hebrew text, the Septuagint. So when Paul's quoting, or when they're, he's quoting some version of, of a Greek translation, usually of, of the Old Testament. And so this idea of imuna, um, steadfastness, is translated into pistos. The word pistos is used. And 
in classic Greek, Greek before the New Testament, the word usually associated, associated with trustworthy. So really the first idea of faith as a verb can, kind of combines these two ideas of the Hebrew background as well as the classical understanding of this word. And so trust is probably a very reliable interpretation of what faith is. Okay. A lot of what, when we, when we talk about what's it mean that faith is a verb, it's trusting. Okay. All right. When you, when, in John 3, 15 and 16, uh, you know, for God so the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him. Okay. I mean, particularly in John's gospel, and I think it's true in Paul too. A lot of times faith is really, what they're really talking about is trust. Martin Luther says this. Faith is God's work in us that changes us and gives us new birth from God. It kills the old Adam and makes us completely different people. It changes our hearts, our spirits, our thoughts, and all our powers. It brings the Holy Spirit with it. Yes, it is a living, creative, active, and powerful thing, this faith. Faith cannot help doing good. Faith cannot help doing good works constantly. It doesn't stop to ask if good works ought to be done, but before anyone asks, it already has done them and continues to do them without ceasing. Faith is living, bold trust in God's grace, so certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting in it. So for Martin Luther and the idea of his interpretation of what Paul is saying here and also what John is saying is that to have faith is to trust. I believe in the good God will do me. Okay. Now, when we talk about trusting somebody, what, what, what is connoted with trust? What goes along with trust? I mean, what are some of the things? If I say, if I trust you, what does that mean? What have I given you? Okay, so I, I've given you the benefit of the doubt. In some ways, you're going to do what you said you're going to do. Yeah, what else? All right, let's say we're climbing. Let's say we're doing rock. We're, we're rock climbing. Okay, okay. All right, all right. And you're the person in front of me. Securing the, the, different, the different safety line. What, what, if I'm behind you, what's that mean? Yeah, I, I'm trusting you know what you're doing. Okay, okay. I like <laughs> I like those commercials where the one commercial where the doctor comes in. Hey, I just got reinstated. <laughs> yeah. Almost. Yeah, almost. Almost. Yeah, right. Okay. Don't worry, I'll see you. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was always you. Do you. You know what they call the person who finishes last in medical school? Doctor. <laughs> one, time, one time I was with somebody and, and uh, they found out their doctor was a Christian. They go, oh, I'm so happy my doctor's a Christian. I go, I don't care. And they, what do you mean you don't care? I just want them to be at the head of the class. <laughs> okay. They can be a Satanist as long as they're good at what they're doing, all right? But, you know, in terms of, I, I guess someone pray for me. I, this is the guy, this is the person who's got the night. So there's a sense where there's a, there's a, a rely, we think, the, you know, there's, I'm going to put my trust in you because I think that you're reliable. Okay. 
I think when you say you're going to do, you're going to do. You're who you say you are, right? All those things, okay? So there's a sense where that faith in Christ is trusting that um, the work that Christ did is real, that God is real, but that in particular, Christ is the way that we get to God, okay? So, so there's a sense where faith is trusting, all right? Now, does trusting have anything really, I mean, well, okay. What's the relationship between feelings and trust? Feelings are, feelings vary constantly. Right. And trust is more like, even if you don't necessarily feel it, you still believe. Right. I guess that's the only way I can. No, I think that's actually pretty good. In other words, you know, when you think of, I mean, I, I mean, for instance, if I'm climbing up, I'm climbing up the cliff, okay. I may not be feeling really good about this, but I'm, I'm going to still believe in my mind I've, I've committed myself, okay. You know, it's funny. It, it is funny how much we trust people we don't know. Okay. For instance, four-way stop signs. Okay. All right. I mean, like... No, I've I've been I've been I've been hit sideways, so I right, doesn't always work. Okay, I got plowed in time one time. I did it right. I waited my turn. Okay, I did the right thing. The person didn't take their turn and hit me right in the middle. Okay, all right. But yeah, we joke about airplanes, doctors, and things like that. Okay, um, you know, I always when I hit that switch, it always comes on. Okay, it didn't come on tonight. Okay, I trusted that switch. I can't figure out why. Everything's plugged in, so I don't know what's wrong. Okay, but, you know, I generally don't think, oh, I hope, the, I hope it comes on. I hope the power comes on tonight. I don't worry about that, right? Because there, I've had experiences that it's, it is the case. And faith is a little bit like that, too. I mean, in some levels, it's not a blind trust because we are putting our trust in, um, in a God who has proven God's self to be faithful. Okay? All right? And uh, we'll talk a little bit more as we go through this, how... Faith in our experience. In other words, I think sometimes faith gives parameters to our experience. Okay. Now, whether or not you experience God being around or not doesn't mean God is here or not. But our faith in some levels put parameters around that feeling. We've all experienced a sense of God in some way or the other. Okay. And so part of what faith is, I trust that that's God who is leading me. Any questions about that? All right, but faith is also an act of the will, okay? I put a Greek phrase there, fides quirinius intellectum, faith-seeking understanding, okay? Second um, Timothy 1.12, and for this reason I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Okay, I love that powerful verse. That's a powerful verse. Okay, things are not going so well. <laughs> That's what, in other words, Paul's sitting in prison when he writes this. Okay, uh, and I suffer. I'm suffering, but you know what? I know whom I have believed in. All right, and it's an interesting thing because this idea of um, I, my trust is a willful decision to try to understand also what I believe in. Okay, so there's a sense where that's part of why we're going to spend the rest of this series learning the content of the faith because what have I, what am I trusting in? Okay. What is it that I believe that I trust in? Okay, this God that I trust, well, what's what exactly am I trusting in? Okay, and you can ask, what 
are the, you know, what are the good reasons to have my trust? I mean, I think that's an, a legitimate question to ask. You can't, you can't prove Christianity like you can prove two plus two equals four, okay? Or prove, you know, a geometrical proof. You can't do that. But there is a reasonableness to the faith. And so part of what faith is, is it's a seeking understanding, okay? It's a choosing to try to understand what I believe, okay? So I think that's where trust is moving to what we often also talk about faith as belief, okay? In other words, I want to know what it is I believe. I want to know the person I believe, okay? Because often we think about trust as has a relational dimension, right? Friendships, um, partnerships, marriages are based on trust, okay? You lose trust, you're in trouble, right? Okay, you know, you do business with someone, and maybe you give them a second chance if they don't act fairly, okay? But if they cheat you, you know, if they continually act in an unfaithful way, then you're a fool to continue to do business with them. You can forgive them, you just should never do business with them again, right? So there's a sense where part of what makes trust work is the reliability of the partners, but also understanding and knowing more. So faith is an act of the will in which we seek to learn uh, both the content of what we believe, but also the object of what we believe. And I think this leads to me the third way that faith is a verb, and that is faith is following Jesus. Okay, the Christian faith is following Jesus. Now, there are some people who want to just make faith just trust. Okay, But part of what I think, if you look at what faith is in the entire New Testament, it not only entails this idea of trusting, it not only entails this idea of an act of will to believe and understand, but it also is about following. I mean... In the Gospels, and I think the Gospels are not just, they're not biographies of Jesus, they're faith stories, right? They're to tell us, they're to show us what it means to be a person of faith. And how do you get to know Jesus? How did the disciples get to know Jesus? Following. Matter of fact, I think, you know, we don't know exactly what happened, but it's, I think on purpose, the disciples, you know, the Gospels don't give us a lot of backstory, right? Jesus shows up. Sometimes he does something fantastic, right? Sometimes, you know, they help, he helps them catch fish. But sometimes he just goes up and says, you, come follow me. And a bunch of people did it. Matter of fact, it seems like they dropped everything. And the ones who didn't drop everything, Jesus said, sorry. And so... Yeah, I put here, I could put a lot of different verses, but I put Mark 8, 34. He called the crowd with his disciples and said then, If anyone wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, some people have trouble saying that, well, well that's, you know, you're, you're, you are mixing faith and works, right? right? So, in other words, faith can't be following Jesus because that means we're doing something. And I will talk next time about faith as a gift, but I want to talk first of about faith as a verb. And I do think that however you came to faith, okay, even if you were baptized as an infant, all right, 
somewhere along the line, okay, you decided that you were going to follow. Now, maybe, you know, you sat in church for many years and it didn't make sense to you, and it's one day it did. Okay? Even maybe you stood before a congregation, did the confirmation thing, but it didn't really mean anything to you until later. But nonetheless, at some point, okay, you decided that I'm going to be serious about this. And you did your version of following Jesus. Okay. Now, you know, most of us drag stuff along with us when we're following Jesus, right? Apparently the disciples did. In other words, they may have left their homes and their, and their jobs, but they certainly didn't leave their egos and ambition, right? We find that out, okay? So all of us are bringing stuff along, dragging along, following Jesus, right? We bring our guilt along, we bring our ambition, uh, we bring our prejudices. I mean, it's, it's utterly incomprehensible that Christians are bigots. There's nothing more antithetical to the gospel that, than the Christians are prejudiced. But we have a bunch of prejudiced Christians. I mean, the gospel of Jesus, for God so loved the world. In Christ there is no male or female, no free or slave, no Jew or Gentile. Okay, so that's, you know, I mean, it's just basic. Okay. You know, the Bible is really cool. We're all equal. We're all equally wrong. I mean, that's what, you know, in other words, that's where it starts out. Yeah, you're, you're not okay. Yeah. You know, it's not I'm okay, you're okay. You know, I'm not okay, you're not so hot either. And that's really what the Christian message is, right? Okay. So there's this, but, okay, but there's a lot of Christians that drag their prejudice along with them following Jesus, okay? It's hard to follow Jesus if you have hate in your heart. So I'm not saying they're very close, okay? But nonetheless, we, drag, we bring our stuff with us, okay? But, regardless of what your fault is, what the, you know, wrong ideas you have about the world or about other people, whatever, nonetheless, if you're a Christian, you're somehow trying to follow Jesus. So even the people we don't like who follow Jesus are trying to follow Jesus. Okay. So, that means he matters in some way to our life. Now, again, it doesn't mean we, I'm not saying we don't distort him. I'm not saying that we call ourselves Christians and don't really know what we're, what we're talking about. But if you're a Christian, somehow Jesus means something to you and, you're, and you think you're following him. Now, the good news that we have is that Jesus seems to not be too concerned about how messed up we are. I mean, Jesus is a lousy HR person. Right? Okay. Right? He's really bad at picking productive, good people. John King, uh, God bless him wherever John is. He, I remember one time he said, he was a, a young life status Presbyterian minister now. He says, every follower of Jesus hurts his reputation. <laughs> Which doesn't, for whatever, it doesn't seem to bother God. You know, it's funny how Christians get all upset about how well, how's this going to look. Well, apparently, it doesn't matter to Jesus how it looks. Yeah, well, right. You know, like they're saying, why? Are you, I mean, they confront Jesus. Why are you going to parties? He's probably sitting there with a beer, going, because people are here. Right? That's why I'm here. Okay. Why aren't you here? 
<laughs> Why are you out there? Why, these people need your help. If you're so, if you know God so well, you need to be here helping these people. See, so there's a sense where <sighs> Jesus is really the only good thing we have. Okay, <laughs> in other words, that's who we are. And so, to have faith means I'm identifying with this guy. I'm going to try. I'm trying to follow him. Now, to what degree we're, we're following him, that's another question, right? That's a question about the Christian life, okay? But we're just talking about faith. And so faith as a verb means I'm trying to follow Jesus. And, you know, part of the reason we all feel like we're not doing a very good job, if we're honest, is because we kind of have a sense of who he's, what he's about, Right? The people who think Jesus is on their side, I can tell you right now, he's not. Okay. So there's a sense where, okay, I mean, that's the powerful thing about following Jesus is as, a, as an act of faith, okay, we're trusting him, and in, in following him, we're supposed to get to know him a little better. And in getting to know him a little better means that we're going to say, whoa, okay, maybe I need to adjust my trust. Maybe I don't trust him enough. Maybe I need to start letting go of some of this baggage. That's kind of how faith and works are really so intertwined. It's not that, that we're saved by works, but faith, if it's true faith, begins to work through ourselves and saying, hey, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have this attitude. Or, hey, I, I don't need this habit anymore. Or I can let go of this, this shame. Or I can let go of this guilt. So, I think faith as a verb is really important because it's something we're walking into. So my my college Greek professor, Southern Baptist uh, guy, was brilliant. Got kicked out because you know, they were doing that purging thing at that time in Southern Baptist. But I remember him used to say, he used to say, "Faithing is faithing. You, know, you just you don't just sit around and think about it. You're faithing it." You know? And I think that's I think that's a powerful idea. So faith is a verb. It's trust. It's a will to know. It's it's a following, <laughs> and we're all limping. Okay, all right. None of us are keeping up. <laughs> but um, as Nietzsche once said, it's a long obedience in the same direction. In other words, we're that's what that's really what we're we're going. We're walking with Christ. He he may be metaphorically way far ahead of us, but we're we're on his path because he asked us to come. That's the other thing. So we'll talk about that as gift, okay? We don't just, you know, this is a preview to next week, okay? Faith may be a verb, but it's not something we come up with on our own. Okay, let's pray.